This is episode 15 of the Chick in Charge podcast with host and CEO of All-in-One Security, Mary Parker. Today's guest is M. Clark, who is the Corporate Relations and Strategic Partnerships Manager of the United Way of Greater Atlanta. M is a passionate philanthropist with a demonstrated history of working in the civic and social and nonprofit industries, skilled in community engagement, fundraising, advocacy, and volunteer coordination. M is a dynamic speaker and presence for the United Way. Welcome to the Chicken Charge. All-in-One Security CEO Mary Parker celebrates the success of women in the world of business and in life. Mary's own humble beginnings in rural Mississippi led her to become one of the only African-American females running a multi-million dollar security firm. She is definitely the chick in charge. Here now is Mary Parker. Good morning, good morning, good morning, and welcome to the Chick in Charge podcast. I'm so excited today. I've got my regular crew, Sarah Smith with Solution Rose. Say hi, Sarah. Hey, everybody. Good morning. And of course, we can't go on air without Port Wilson. Hey, Port. Port's waving. (laughs) And we have with us this morning, M. Clark, who is the Corporate Relations Manager with the United Way of Greater Atlanta. Good morning, Em. Yes, thank you for having me. Excited thank you to be for here. Coming. Yes, we are excited to have you as well. And the United Way is certainly not a place within our community. It's not an unknown place within our community. And that must be a very, very exciting place to work for you. It absolutely is. I mean, the United Way, it's exactly what it says in its name. We're all here to bring the community together and to work as a unit and united. So it's definitely a pleasure to be that convener role. Uh, And and thank you so much for all that you do. Absolutely. You know, we're going to dive right in today and we want to get to know who you are, really. So tell me, Em, as you were growing up and, and also just remember you're speaking to young people out there today those who are um, pursuing education, entrepreneurial, and certainly nonprofit. So as you're speaking to us, we want you to just load us up with as many tips as you can. So uh, in growing up yourself, did you do lots of volunteer work when you were younger? I did. So my story really begins with both of my parents. They, and my brother, in fact, um, they are all have hearts for service. So my mother is a nurse. My father was a minister for a lot of my life and then went into uh, running retirement communities. And then my brother was a Marine and continues to serve overseas today. Wow, that's great. So that's I really great. knew early on, um, it was really in my, in my cultural upbringing really, is that I wanted to serve. So of course served um, within my church and within other nonprofit communities uh, as I was growing up. And it, again, it, it really just was something that was my path. So I always knew I wanted to work in nonprofits one day. Great. Oh, that's excellent. And it's so, it's so needed within our community exactly. and throughout the world yep. as well. Sarah, yep. I believe you were going to chime in here. I really just wanted to ask you if United Way was the first um, place you were working as a paid professional in a nonprofit. Yes. I won't say it is my first 
um, real life experience working in a nonprofit, but it, it okay. is the first place that I landed, and I am a self-proclaimed millennial. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, it was the first place that um, I received a paycheck. But I worked at a few other places prior to um, one of my favorites that I like to mention was Make a Wish Georgia. Yep. I started there um, working as a graduate placement. And the woman I was working with actually ended up no longer being able to be a part of the organization. And I kind of just got thrown into the mix and was in corporate relations there as well for a short period of time. That's great. That's great. Well, that's wonderful. So if nonprofit wasn't your first paid Mm -hmm. job, what was your first paid job? And was that high school or college? Uh, Well, I'm really more of an entrepreneur. I think I started out... Um, it's funny. I have sold anything. Pick pick a product. I've probably sold it. Oh my it. god! A car. Um, <laughs> oh, I've sold my own car. Okay, that good. that's good. <laughs> that does. That uh, counts. But I mean, I've sold. I my first thing I remember selling was lollipops, raising money for a choir trip in middle school. But honestly, I've I've sold knives. I've sold um, candy. I've sold. Chick-fil-A chicken sandwiches. There we go. Um, so, you know, I, I've been in some form or fashion in sales, um, but really knew that my heart was for a larger purpose. So I took that sales mentality and really wanted to give back to the community right. and, and live out in purpose. Gotcha. Oh, gotcha. that is so wonderful, Em. If my daughter was here, what she would say is, she would she would say to you that I'm probably one of your mothers because the thing she tells people all the time is, my mom has sold everything, water treatments, water treatment systems, um, encyclopedias. And of course, those of you listening know that if I sold encyclopedias, I am dating myself. But that was the information. Those are cool. That's right. And that, that was the information <laughs> That was <highway>. Google. <laughs> that was our Google. Yeah. So if we went into someone's home and there was not a set of encyclopedia, right. it's almost as the, it is today, mm-hmm. going into someone's home without a computer. So that's that's wonderful, and that's I, so I certainly Mary. applaud you for that. And with that, we're covering three areas: we're covering nonprofits with you, education, as well as entrepreneurs. So you are speaking to a very large audience this morning, and we congratulate you on your success. Especially, at your you're still just you're you are a millennial. So what would you say to the young people? Let's speak to the young people first. What would you say to the young people uh, as it relates to how uh, having a servant's heart has prepared you for today? That's number one. And number two, how did you find volunteering to be supportive of balancing your lifestyle altogether? Sure. Well, I, I would say in regards to having a servant's heart, it really is just your posture that you see the world. And so... It is coming in and and humbling yourself no matter what situation that you're in. And that ties into volunteers as well. I mean, no matter what community you're entering into, whether it's one of your own that you're serving or another's community, you always have to go in with the perspective of it is not about me today. It is about whatever the greatest need is. And so in, in terms of coming into the nonprofit world, there's a lot of conversation in the nonprofit world around burnout. We all want to give of ourselves, and um, it's not just our job. It's also our life outside of work. Right. It's, it's a part of who we are. And so really, when you experience that, if you don't have that servant's heart mentality and you're not going in and saying, 
you know, it's not about me. It's it's tiring at times, but it really makes a difference in the bigger picture. Yep. Then it's refreshing to your soul. You really get to when you're serving others, have a moment where it refreshes. Um, I love I love hearing about servant leadership mm-hmm. because I think that a lot of people don't talk enough about it. Just in general, not today or last yeah, year or I twenty agree. years ago. They I just agree. don't talk about yes. it enough. And um, people that you know want to make money, they don't understand that they can do that. They can do servant, and they can be servant leaders mm-hmm. at the same time. Which brings me, I have a question. If I can jump in again, Please. Mary. <laughs> Please. Um, what kind have you ever gone to a company? And they've been, they've thought, well, you know, you're the, you're just the United Way. You just want money from us. Mm-hmm. You don't have any value. How do you express value, the value of the United Way, to that kind of cynical corporate person? Yes. So I'm going to quote Joey Ryman here, who's a Emory professor. And Love. Um, he has talked about corporate social responsibility and how that responsibility is really the emphasis as of late, um, that people really feel obligated to do something for the community and they're not really passionate about it. So he has reframed it to, to be corporate social opportunity. And I really talk in those terms now when I go to meet with someone and, you know, my role as corporate relations manager, I really am building those partnerships with either, you know, large Fortune 500 companies or your small mom and pop business in Atlanta, as long as you care about the community in some way. And so when I enter into those conversations, we're really talking about more than just giving money. That's certainly a part of it. You got to keep the lights on. You got to pay your staff. Right. But really, what um, the end goal is is creating community impact. And so we talk about things that are beneficial to the community. You know, our programming that are specific to, um, let's say, homelessness or healthcare um, or education. But we're also talking what is the benefit for that partner? So what is their value in coming in and partnering with us as United Way? And those things are going to be employee retention. All and I'll give credit to us millennials is you know we really do carry passion with us and purpose with us even in the for-profit space. Sure. And so really saying to them your employees are going to want to work for you because you're giving back in a specific way to the community and we also can help engage that group in our young professionals um, in our societies our giving societies coal societies um, which really adds personal and professional development as another layer right. for those employees. Right. But also they can they have the opportunity as a corporation to be a leader in a certain space. So if we have a brand new um, program coming onto the docket and we say, yes, we do need funding for this, but you really get to be the thought leader in that space. You can come in and say, we are the first ones to back a program that is virtual mentoring, for example. Right. And so really there are multiple layers of what philanthropy looks like these days. And it's year round. It's not just we show up once, right. you give us money and then we leave. That's certainly not our mission. Our mission is how are we engaging with you year round? How are we impacting children's lives every day? And so you can't just say hello once a year and expect that to be an everyday impact. Oh That's my gosh, a great answer. I really, really <laughs> love the answer. So and good. it was loaded with information. And I, I, I mean, I can't help but applaud you. And I work with a lot of millennials, and you know, for you to be so clear and have such a defined definition of where you want to go, 
is extremely yep. important. And with that, Em, I want to ask, how can an organization such as the Mary Parker Foundation, Raising Other Generations, how can we become more involved with United Way with those we're serving? I love this question, and I get this a lot. How can I jump into the United Way sphere? Um, and especially having your own foundation, that uniquely positions you because you have a large brand behind you as well. Um, and so the first thing I would say is skills-based volunteerism. Um, volunteerism as, you know, one-off projects coming in and, you know, doing a garden project or, you know, picking up trash. Those are certainly needed in communities, but what is sustainable is the skills-based volunteerism. So if mentorship or your life experiences um, of, you know, being an expert in the security space, if you want to to offer that to young folks as an opportunity, an education pathway. Just your knowledge and your experience is a way that you can give back. So mentorship is definitely number one. Number two is getting involved with boards that we have. So being a volunteer on a more active level um, as an individual, but also the people you employ. We have so many boards at United Way. Too many to count, actually. <laughs> um, but it means that people of you know, all experiences, all levels can get involved. Um, and we even have a, a program called the Volunteer Improvement Program, and that is um, VIP uh, Involvement Program, excuse me. And that is where you can come and get trained to be a board member. So if you don't even have experience as being a board member, we can offer you the training wow. to become that. That's amazing. Wow, this is, uh, this is incredible. Well, you can certainly expect follow-up, not just from me personally, which you will get, but we will also be referring people uh, to get ready to be able to serve uh, alongside you Fantastic. and with the United Way. And you're absolutely right. A brand with the United branding with the United Way would be huge uh, for our community as we are further enhancing that. So thank you so much for, for all of that information. And now let's get back to you for a moment. Uh, can you share with us today what you would consider one of the greatest life experiences for you? Sure, so I took a year off after high school before going into college. Um, my mother growing up hosted an exchange student for a year with her family. He was from the Netherlands. Okay. Um, and he is my uncle to this day. Huh. Not blood, but he's my family. Hans. So, <laughs> Warner actually, but yes. Okay, Warner. Um, so uh, I knew I wanted a similar experience. So I took a year off after high school and actually lived in the north of France. Um, and took some time to really experience other cultures. Where were you? Uh, it's outside of Lille. It's called Anne Beaumont. Okay. Nord Pas de Calais. I don't it's a know lot of it. French. <laughs> no, it's, we'll talk about that later. Okay. <laughs> um, but yes, it's in, in the north of France, so almost in uh, the territory of Belgium. Gotcha. Um, and so while I was there, it was really a pivotal point in my life where I said, I'm so outside my comfort zone. But I, it was really important for me to do that because, you know, I grew up in the Bible Belt. I grew up in a place where you saw different cultures, but they were all American cultures. So moving to another country where, in, in the town I was in, people don't speak English, so right. you had to assimilate to French-speaking culture. It was also really interesting because the north of France is where the Maghreb people, which is northern Africa, immigrated um, to find work. And so I had a lot of different Muslim brothers and sisters. I had people who um, came up in other cultures that were outside of even the French Western mindset. Um, and so I'd, I've really just got to know different experiences than my own um, and would never 
want to miss out on that experience. Right. And, and definitely, you know, as we're talking to young people would say, it might seem scary to leave home, but to really take, I took a full year and I didn't see my family for that full year. Right. We talked, we had technology, so we were able to talk <laughs> more than when my mom hosted the student, he had got one phone call and it was at Christmas. Wow. So really to, to have the ability to talk to my parents all the time was great, but um, really having your, your own journey without those that were surrounding you growing up. I love that example. Oh, isn't she remarkable? Yeah, she's she's kind of smart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we want to bring you back. It's all from my parents. Well, kudos to your parents, and we congratulate them as and well. And for encouraging you to, um, to travel. Yeah, and, and stepping to, outside of that comfort abso- zone. Did you find that when you were um, in France that you were you know, uncomfortable um, when you first got there and then you got more comfortable as time went by. What did, what did you feel like when you got home? I mean, the first couple of days when you get home, because that's got to be a culture shock again. Yes. Yeah, so when I first got there, like I said, my town that I lived in, people didn't speak English. It wasn't Paris. There weren't people who could speak your language. Right. So for the first three months, it was really difficult uh, learning French. But I was thrown into classes. I went to a high school there, did another senior year. And really, it took three months to become fluent, which sounds fast, but it's you have to. Right. So when I started dreaming in French, that's when I said, oh, okay. <laughs> I, I've made it a little bit. I love oh, that. my. What a great yes. experience. Yes. very cool. And still do to this day. So it's, it's pretty cool. But, it's cool. Um, yeah, it was very uncomfortable. I mean, when you can't express yourself, words are so important. And being able to tell people how you're feeling even. And when you're uncomfortable saying that you're uncomfortable, I couldn't even do that at, in the beginning. So having those three months, once I got past that language barrier, it was fantastic. I was able to express who I was, even to a point where my the family I lived with always corrected me and made sure my accent was like right on. Wow. So when it came to the point where people didn't know I was American, I was really excited. Wow. I was so excited because even being American, there's a perception. There's a preconceived notion of who you are yep. and how you're supposed to act. So when I got past that, I really got to be my authentic self, which is partly American, of course, but my authentic self that was, hi, I'm M, and this is the things I care about, and this is how I'm passionate. Now, I will tell you, when I got home, I did kiss the ground. <laughs> <laughs> but only because, again, you know, when you're expressing yourself in your own culture, your own language, you, you really are 100% you. And when you're over there, you represent this whole ideal notion of what it is to be American. Yeah, all the so, good and the bad. Yeah, all the good and the bad. And so when I got back, it really was, it was a relief, but something only because it was such a long period of time. I still travel to this day as much as I can and want to experience new cultures. But uh, it was, it, when I got home and saw my family, of course, it was, you know, joy. Right. For sure. That's excellent. Thank you How for exciting. sharing that. You know, at, there are times on the show we'll ask people to share with us what they would say to their younger selves. But guess what? You've already shared it. And it's not a lot, I believe, could be any better right? if you were to go back and say to your younger self to do this. So you are on it, doggone it, and I love it. <laughs> so don't you change. You continue to do what you're doing. I want to share a story with you about Saturday. I was out campaigning this past Saturday And there was a young man, he was 30 years old, and I kept hearing him talking about all of these places. He said Prague and Budapest and Turkey, just going on and on. And I looked over to him and said, have you traveled to all those places? And he said, yes. And I found it amazing, 
but also very unusual because the African-American culture is so safe staying in America. We do not extend, as a whole, we do not extend our travels beyond the United States. And this young man was 30 years old. He's already traveled five continents, wow. Wow. 42 states in the U.S., and he's constantly got trips planned. So like yourself, he's very well versed in French and some of the other languages. But it's just so amazing to me, having grown up as, as a child on a sharecropper's farm, that the only thing that we dreamed about was to figure out what was in the clouds at that time. And to now be able to experience the world and to hear the world from a perspective of a young person such as yourself. And I certainly hope that you're sharing a lot of your experiences with the young people here in the United States, especially here in Georgia. It's a privilege to be able to travel. I mean, not everyone can. Right. And I, that's why I think education is so important because if you're not able to leave the neighborhood you grew up in for financial reasons, at least you can learn about, and technology is so important now too, yes, at least you is. can learn about other cultures and other experiences through technology. But it really is, I think back in all that I've gotten to do in travel, my mom worked so hard growing up, single mom raising us, my dad was always in my life, but really watching both of them and their work ethic to be able to provide allowed me the ability to travel after high school. So I absolutely understand that not everyone gets to do that. That is amazing. Sarah, did you have something that you want to chime in on here? You know, um, I think I'm I think I'm good. Um oh yeah, I, I have one more question. Um I am I wanna I wanna know what I'm curious to know what your biggest challenge is with your job. Again, back to the corporate social opportunity versus co corporate social responsibility. I think um, my biggest challenge is really being the crafter, and I mean this as an, really an opportunity, not so much a challenge, but really being the um, architect behind partnership plans. Right. So meeting with someone and not just showing them the value of United Way, but really what is the value of their dollar as they give, um, their hour as they volunteer, even their ability as a brand and as a platform to advocate on behalf of the, the children in Atlanta. And the way that United Way talks about what we're doing, our work in the community, is child well-being. So everything that we do is through the lens of the well-being of children. Um, and you know, we, I'm sure you've heard us talk about in the past as you know, our old sort of working way of United Way was around education and around you know, high school graduation rates or homeless populations and placing them in transitional housing. But really now what we talk about is, are the children well? Right. So we ask, you know, every community, whether you're Roswell, whether you're Clayton County, how are your children doing? And if they are doing well, how are your next door neighbor's children doing? Is it a community, again, that is united and coming together to serve the greater good? Wow. I love it. Yesterday I was out. I spent a lot of time here in southwest Atlanta. Um, while it's one that is highly publicized, it's also one that I believe is... Um, very low on the tolling pole as it relates to people coming into our community volunteering. But the same is true with us going out volunteering. And yesterday I took a guy, just, we just rode throughout Southwest Atlanta during the storm and all. And the one, the picture I wanted to paint was how many young people are non-productive 
in this community and what can we do? So if you were to partner with an organization such as um, the Mary Parker Foundation or any other foundation for that matter, what are some of the things we can do uh, to better serve our community and especially when it comes to youth that dropouts? Jobs. Wow. Provide internships, provide workplace studies, um, provide tuition reimbursement if they're getting a trade degree. It all is about, and, and we talk in terms of opportunity youth, which is really an age range, um, which I believe starts at 14 to 16 all the way to 24. And that's really kids who might have dropped out of school or are taking an alternative route to their vocation or career. And really it takes, and that's what I ask all the time of, of foundations, truly, and of big, large corporations is, if you're not ready to financially invest, offer a job because it it takes the pipeline of talent in our Atlanta community to keep people in Atlanta and in Atlanta successfully. So if we want Amazon HQ to come here, yeah. we're going to ask them as well, provide jobs for our young people right. because it really takes keeping our talent here yep. and having them in well-paying jobs so they're not leaving or they're not being successful in their own community. It's just like you said. Thank you, Em. Thank you. Thank you so very much. You are a plethora of information. And a as, great representative from yes, the United indeed. Way. Thank you. Uh, so much so that I'm signing up today. Yay. <laughs> so whatever we can do, number one is a company from All-in-One Security, and number two from our foundation. We will talk offline in terms of how we can partner and become a uh, and use our servant hearts throughout Southwest Atlanta specifically, but more importantly, throughout Metro Atlanta and then the world. I love it, I'll hold you to it. No, no problem, no problems at all. And I just have one final question for you, and that is, what do companies gain by being involved with the United Way? You touched on it a little earlier, and, and I'm familiar, very familiar with United Way and many of its corporate sponsors. But would you just elaborate there a little bit more? I know that you spoke of educating and, and creating jobs and so forth, but if you would, please. Sure, I'm gonna go back to the talent pipeline because it's really important. I think for a company to, I mean, right now there's so many jobs out there, there's just not the people to fill them. They don't have the skills, they don't have the ability to get the job that is being offered. So really as a company who wants to help change that, you got to start early. You know, we're talking about opportunity youth, which is that, you know, 16 to 24, but what about the zero to nine? I mean, really that early education, that is important as well. So whether you're offering jobs to the opportunity youth or you're saying we want to invest in the education of early child care centers, you can, it's a gambit. So you really can get involved at any level. Um, obviously, we would rather prevent uh, the skills gap then have to intervene later on um, but we are open to getting creative as well as what I would say is my favorite part again is that as a corporation who has their own set of values and their own interest in what they want to give back in the community what's so cool about United Way is that we can take any you know stream of values and apply it to our work because we do cover so much in the community I love it I'm so excited I just want to go out and save the children <laughs> You and know, we need I, I to, just want to go out yeah. and save the children. I, I met, I, I wish I could remember her name, but there was a pediat pediatrician years ago, probably 20 years ago, and at that time she had delivered thousands of babies. And I went over to her, she was so compassionate, 
And I said, what would it take to continue your legacy? She says, Mary, just help me save the children. Right. And that's what I do. And I know that we already have children that we can begin fondling through the United Way. We have, we're serving over 500 children from pre-K through postgraduate. And so we have pipelines for you. Mm -hmm. We've just got to make sure we establish that connection and we get that going because I think it would be such a beautiful partnership because we're there. We understand the needs of the community. We just probably need a little bit more support at taking us from where we are as mm -hmm. a nonprofit to that next level. Fantastic. So thank you so much. We look forward to working with you. And if someone wanted to get in contact with you or the United Way specifically, can you give us your call letters? Absolutely. So um, I am, again, corporate relations. So if anyone from the business side or as an individual wants to get involved with the United Way, they can email me. It's E, the letter E, Clark, my last name, which is C-L-A-R-K-E, at United Way Atlanta, all spelled out, unitedwayatlanta.org. So E Clark at unitedwayatlanta.org. Now you can also um, call our general line if you're looking to find someone else other than me, and that you can just do a quick Google search, United Way of Greater Atlanta. Um, and also on that note, before we go, we also have the 211 uh, call line, which is if you need assistance. So if you're not just looking to get involved as a volunteer, but you actually need help, um, call 211. And that's all throughout Georgia and even the United States. I did States. not know that. But we here in Georgia, the United Way manages the 211 system. So Fantastic. Yeah, call that Thank number. Thank you. Thank you so much. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Well, as I stated earlier, you're welcome to come back anytime. Sarah, thank you so very much for being here as always. And Port, kudos to you as well. And to all of our listeners today, I know that you've been empowered because of M. Clark's information. So don't just sit there, do something about it. And thank you for joining us today on The Chicken Charge Podcast. Subscribe to The Chicken Charge at thechickincharge.com. Get a free download of Mary Parker's Tips for Success, tips that'll make short work of some of today's most challenging issues facing female business owners. Thanks for listening to The Chicken Charge. <laughs>